Okay, welcome back to the next episode. We have a race recap. Episode, why do I sound so energetic? Because it's two days before the race. So I'm doing a bit of a prelude and then I will do the recap and I'm going to add in hopefully some chatter with the team the day before and try to get all the bits and pieces of what it is to run a marathon with some friends who are not running because my running partner is Prego. But they are going to come along the way and cheer. So that will be fun. So I guess a backstory, the reason I'm doing this is one year ago I did the BMO marathon and I have done that distance loads of times, obviously multiple times within a race in the trails. I love the trails. I am built to handle lots of up and down in the mountains and I love that and solving problems and having to carry a pack and eat food 17 hours in when you feel terrible and you don't want to eat food and all of those things that make ultra running the special adventure that it is. But trying to do a road marathon at the fastest pace that I can, and I say it like that because it doesn't matter what your pace is if you're trying to push it for that distance, it's like this other level of suck. And I remember actually before Finless and Arm 100K, I was talking to the race director and he's like, have you ever tried to do a road marathon fast? Like it sucks. You're redlining the whole way. And I couldn't even tell him that I thought I might do it one day. Like it was so far away from something I would actually do because that level of pain wasn't something I was willing to accept yet. So now I am looking forward to going out and trying it for a second time, which is wild. And it's weird because I almost feel like I'm still not ready. Like I haven't recovered mentally from how bad it was the first time. So before we get into it and talk about BMO, I want to take a quick second to thank today's sponsor. We are brought to you by Janji. So Janji Apparel is some of the most fun and bright colors, but also lightweight functional clothing for running that you are going to find. The shorts have up to five pockets. There are tights and flowy shorts. And the shirts are tank tops, sports bras, and t-shirts. And I am really big into a nice flowy t-shirt so that I can protect myself from the sun and still feel cool on runs. So there's free shipping in the United States for all orders over $55. And there are free exchanges, no fuss returns. And if anything goes wrong from the manufacturer within five years, they will replace it. The coolest thing that they are doing is giving back. So 2% of all top line sales go to clean water initiatives across the world because they really believe that if we are getting so much joy out of this planet that we need to be giving back. So I love that they are doing that. I love supporting them. Go to www.janji.com, J-A-N-J-I.com and use discount code TRW15 and you will get 15% off your first outfit. If you'd like to see more from the race or see some pictures, head over to Hillsport 55, where I'm sure I'll have done loads of stories and photos before, after Airbnb terrain, in case you want to do this rain, this rain, this race, because it looks absolutely beautiful. So BMO was great. It was what a marathon should be at the hardest pace that you can run. It was, I ended up at 3.15 and blew up at the end like you do and had a couple of things where I was like, why did I make this rookie mistake when I know this? And part of it was it was a hot day and that I um, 
could have probably used an electrolyte or a salt tap. Like if I was running a three hour hard trail race, I would be taking those things every 45 minutes because I know that's how I perform best. And for some reason I'm like, oh, road marathon, different sport. I'll just have a gel or two. And it wasn't enough. So I'm hoping this time to go in with this mindset of like, act like it is a race on different terrain, but it's the same sport. It doesn't matter. It's just so stupid. Because the other part of it is if I had an athlete running this marathon, I wouldn't skip a beat from reminding them to do all of these these things. I just like brain farted on myself. I guess that's why coaches have coaches. (laughs) Because you need, when it comes to yourself, you need somebody else to tell you not to be dumb, essentially. So I just went over my pacing plan. It's been a weird week. I've had a lot of work to do and some crazy things in my life to think about and it's like I haven't let myself think about Sunday yet and it is currently Thursday and when I get anxious I get too much future planning and I have been obsessively trying to nail down summer plans (laughs) for like the weekends after the race To a point where like I would get stuck on like what's the most efficient way to spend the weekend to do the most cool stuff because I know that those weekends won't have big training runs in them because they're recovery weekends. So I want to make sure I get to go to this funky pub and I want to take my kids swimming in this weird lake. And I like woke up this morning and was like, oh yeah, I'm doing all that cool stuff today. And was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We haven't even done step one yet, which is the freaking race that I have been training for for six months. So it's been really funny, but at least I recognize that in myself. Like, okay, I'm a little bit nervous and it's manifesting in just not remembering that I have to run the race. And I texted Katie because I remember for WAM 100, she had the same thing where she just like kept forgetting that we were in Whistler for a race. She just thought we were there to see our friends. And it sounds ridiculous, but it's super true. Like just completely separate from the actual event that's about to happen. But now that I've spoken to my coach and now that I am doing this podcast, I'm getting a bit more excited. The other thing that happens the week before is I start doing my short taper runs. They're 5k, maybe 8k and they feel terrible. And I'm like, I can't even run five kilometers. How am I ever going to run 42 as fast as I possibly can? And it's just part of the part of the thing. I think my coach says it's partly because your body is saving mental resources there's no science this is just a cool theory about how hard you're going to have to push in the future and once you get to the race environment it's always fine but it's it's interesting because everybody that I coach goes through it too where they get this weird blah and I'm sure it's also my body's working really hard to recover from all of the training I'm really focused on trying to eat a lot these next couple of days, not a lot, not to feel sick, but to eat properly because also what happens in my like, if I have a a taper that is over a few weeks, and so for this one I had about two weeks, the second week I stop getting that hunger that you get when you're training. And I think I'm so used to feeling like, like when I want a meal, it's to replenish and it's deep bone hunger that... I don't recognize just normal living hunger cues as well. So without meaning to, when I've gotten stuck on calls and a little outside of my routine, I've gone too long without eating or eating enough calories. And then I go for my runs and immediately I'm shaking and having this blood sugar response because I clearly don't have enough food. So I have to stop and buy a bag of almonds, which yes, did happen two days ago. So 
that's always been interesting. So now a few days leading in, I obviously don't want to feel like that on race day. So this morning I had a little 5k shakeout and then was just diligent about sitting down, not just eating on the move, trying to get my kid ready to go and having breakfast, uh, which was two rice cakes with some peanut butter and a protein shake with a banana on it. Um, and I feel pretty good. I feel pretty full. And then just making sure that I do it again tomorrow. So we are heading down to Seattle tomorrow. We're staying in a cool Airbnb. I'm pretty excited even for the drive down. We got Baker, Andy, Katie, and two dogs, Pep and Winston. And I'm feeling excited to go down and chat with them and figure out where they can meet us on the course and just have a couple of chill days and then get going Sunday morning. And it feels like it is a long way away now, but it will be here before I know it. And it will be here, the recap for you guys in about three seconds. So I will leave it at that. Maybe I'll add in a few pre-race jitter conversations with Katie and Andy. And if not, I will chat with you guys after the race. Just want to take a quick second to thank one of our sponsors. This show is brought to you by AG1. So AG1 is something that I take every single day. And leading up into a race like this one, it is one of the most important things that I can do for preparation because I need to make sure that I'm getting all of the vitamins and minerals that I need while still reducing the amount of actual fruit and vegetables that I need leading into a race. So when you order AG1, you get five free travel packs and the travel packs have made it so easy because they're thin, small, and I can pop them in my suitcase and I just have... A bunch of them live there so that every time I'm on the road, specifically to a race, it's not something I have to worry about remembering and I can take it on race morning and know that I'm going into that race with 75 high quality vitamins and minerals and the energy boost that I will need to run my absolute best. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. So the fact that I don't have to worry about trying to pack a bunch of pills and I know that I get everything with me is such a win for me. The other key point for me is that I knew I needed a greens powder and I was having so much trouble finding one that actually tastes good. So that is a really nice part of it. It's definitely something that I crave in the morning. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com backslash TRWP. That's drinkag1 backslash TRWP to check it out. And I will have all of that linked in the show notes as well. Okay, here we are the day after the tunnels marathon. What can I say about this attempt number two? Well, ironically, I guess not ironically, but somehow my time was exactly the same as last year. Almost to the second, 3.15 and something. So by no means do I think 3.15 is a particularly slow marathon. Am I frustrated because I feel like there's more in there? Yeah, a little bit. But man, the road stuff is a real thing. Like in 100K, which is my favorite distance, and I've done quite well at that distance, it's about continuing to move forward at a solid pace and thinking through problems and how you're going to solve them so that you can keep that pace at the end. 
in a road marathon as fast as you can, everything kind of has to be perfect. And if it's not, it can really screw you up later. And then you have to spend a long time recovering before you can try again. So here we are. So the frustrating part of this was not that I hadn't increased my fitness level like I had hoped, but that it was a significantly easier course or should have been than BMO. No uphills, none. And that's kind of what crushed my soul in my marathon last year. However, I'm happy with the effort and I'll explain why. Because last year I felt like I was fitter than the results showed and that I had made some errors that I could have worked around with nutrition and cramping that could have saved me a couple of minutes. And that is super frustrating when you feel like it's low-hanging fruit that you just sort of missed. This year, I feel like I did as good as I could with what I had on race day and it wasn't going to be any better. There was nothing I could have done different from the outside other than perhaps the training program. And I'll get more into that too because the training program was not bad. It was great. But I got to a point where I sort of knew in my gut that I don't think I had enough base miles and that I wasn't feeling like I was getting fitter anymore. And some of the workouts were hard, but that maybe everybody is pretty individual on the sweet spot for them. And it was confusing and something I had to learn because last year I do think I made the mistake of doing all of my speed workouts at a race pace and not being able to pull back and get into the right zones and use the right energy systems. And I felt like that was really improved upon this year. And it really came through in the half marathon, but that there was a base level that wasn't quite dialed in for the full yet. I also think just the way that the world works, it just wasn't my day yesterday. I felt super lightheaded the whole time. I never found a rhythm. I fought it the whole time. There was no time where I was just like, okay, I'll just let some miles tick by. I'm kind of in my groove now. It just wasn't going to happen. It actually was really, really challenging to just not walk off the course because as much as I tried to overcome the mental side of knowing that and just break it down and continue and maybe I'm going to feel better, I knew pretty quick it wasn't happening today. Um, And I'll get more into that into detail as well. But my coach was super awesome and I think the program hit all of my weaknesses It's just, and I say this to my athletes too, like everybody's a bit different. You can't figure it out with one person maybe that quickly. And if we were like, okay, we're going to try again next year, I think we could add a couple more things in and experiment with a few other things and probably improve upon this like base that we'd built pretty quick. So maybe that's something that we'll do. Um, And I think that's part of the reason people talk about having to try more than once to get the marathon goal time that they want and I'm definitely part of me is like oh no no I'm gonna be too old it's not the case and I love that I talk to people on this podcast that are in their 40s and get their PRs because I know that there's a better time in there and now I've just got to keep on working and Linda was actually like well you don't have to wait for another race just map out a course on like a few different GPS's so that you know for sure 
where the landmarks are of the exact distance, because I don't think you can rely on watches, and we'll talk about that too, and do it any time that works for me. And that's actually not a bad idea. Just get a couple friends to do some aid stations. So I might just have to do a time trial at some time. <laughs> at some time. Um, okay, so a bit about this course. So it is on a packed path. And we checked out the path a little bit a couple days before. But you didn't get a real idea for what it was like until you are in the race obviously you're not going to check out the whole thing so it starts out with about 800 meters of almost like a dike where it was like sand and which isn't a huge deal to be like okay so 800 meters you had to work a little bit harder but the problem is that then you go into a tunnel right away and that's why it's called the tunnels marathon and it's pitch black so you're wearing headlamps to start and there are potholes in there and it dripping through the ceiling I don't mind this. I've run in some funky terrain before. And that was actually almost the easiest place to get a like good feeling for the race because the ground was even. It just had potholes. But I sort of thought with the 800 meters leading into the tunnel that I would get a feel for what my pace would be and then I'll just hold it through that 4K and run by feel. However, with the sandy ground and the start of a race kind of adrenaline rush, I had no idea. So you go into this tunnel and it's so deep in this mountain that your GPS doesn't work. So you have no idea how fast you're running. So you just sort of hope that at the beginning you're standing beside somebody that's after the same goal time and you guys are just going to feel this out together. So I came out of the tunnel thinking that I was pretty close, maybe within 10 seconds of what I wanted. And I looked down and my watch said uh, four point something kilometers which should have been almost exactly right. Now that I think back on what the course map should be, it should have been about 4.8. And then the GPS clued into the fact that it had come out of this tunnel and went like, and had a weird glitch. And suddenly it said 8K and I'd gone about four feet. And I was like, oh no. So I knew what my pace was in kilometers and I was totally fine with, this is so stupid, being able to do the conversion on the mile markers if my watch was working, but it didn't work. So even after you got out of the tunnel because you're in a mountainside, it wasn't giving you proper paces at all. Um, and other people were running around me saying the same thing, like, okay, we just got to go by field. Nobody has any idea how fast we're going because it would go from 3.45 to 4.45 and back like every couple of seconds. And obviously you're not changing your pace by a minute per kilometer. And I knew I wanted to be somewhere in the middle of that. So I just tried to think from all the training what about a 415 to 420 would feel like. And I think I sort of found it. But the problem with this packed trail was that it was not as packed as I thought. And it's so weird to be a trail runner for most of it and have a problem with this type of path. But trying to get into a groove was really, really hard and I just could never get comfortable because the ground was uneven um, and the rocks weren't super crazy, but you sort of had to weave back and forth onto which side of the path would have been more flat. And I was finding, I do have a kind of a bum knee I've talked about before, that I was really struggling to find the spot on the trail where I wasn't getting any knee pain and where I could kind of settle into um, a rhythm. And I just couldn't find the rhythm and it almost felt like that was taking energy, trying to find a good place to to run both 
physically and mentally. Um, and that at one point when I did kind of try to find um, the right side, I rolled an ankle and then it wasn't super bad. Obviously, I kept running, finished the race, but it did throw everything off just a little bit more. So it was almost all those little kind of micro adjustments were getting to be a little bit more challenging. And then I sort of decided that I needed to figure out (laughs) what each mile pace should be like. And this was almost kind of fun because I know miles, but I don't know the pace per mile in conversion to pace per kilometer super well. So I was just kind of timing between the mile markers how much time that was and then trying to do the math. Uh, For example, knowing that like five miles would be 8K, what that time would be. Do you know what you catch what I'm saying here? Um, And work backwards like that and then try to keep the time relatively even between miles, which isn't super necessary, but it gives you something to focus on other than the fact that I'm uncomfortable on this stupid path. And then I knew where I wanted to be at halfway. And that was probably the first big low because I was already slower than BMO first half on a far easier first half of a course. And uh, like I said before, I just didn't feel like I had that extra gear. I felt like something was missing. And the reason I also wonder if there was just something going on for me that it just wasn't the day, I was so lightheaded. And I don't know if it was the moisture or where we were, but um, the moisture, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. It was just very humid day. (laughs) Get into that again, get to the end of the race. lack of sleep or who knows what it was but I took way more gels than I normally would uh, because I thought maybe I just needed more calories but nothing was really working I just sort of felt a bit spacey and again in a trail run you can kind of like slow down think through this try to eat a solid and see if your day improves Um, not that you can really run 100k on a not particularly feeling good day either but you have more time to sort through it you don't have time in this so it was partly luck in that scenario I guess so the last thing I wanted to do was quit I just wanted to finish because you never know sometimes you think you get confused and you think okay so I'm not going to catch my goal but maybe you do I don't often you can't trust mile markers in a race you can't be like oh I'm already three minutes behind because it might adjust itself naturally as well so I just tried to just keep the same cadence and the same pace still couldn't find a rhythm and then in the back half of the race there were a lot of people that started out in front of me that were sprawled on the side of the course just in pain of cramping this has definitely happened in other road races but there was significantly more and I was chatting with somebody at the end of the race who also noticed this and we were sort of laughing not laughing at the people but just at the ridiculousness of how many people had some sort of cramping issue and there was one girl I was actually running beside that I thought she like saw a bear or a cougar because she jumped up and screamed because something tore in her muscles and cramped up so bad and she kind of grabbed her leg and rolled over sideways so there was a lot of that going on I was totally fine until the last um, 5k and I had cramping in spots that I've never had before and I was 
definitely able to overcome it. I don't actually think it hurt me too much more than like regular fatigue. Um, but I do think it was from the uneven ground and parts of my muscles that were working to keep everything stable that normally aren't working because I had definitely enough salt. I had enough hydration. Everything like that was totally fine. There was just these random parts on my legs and my calves actually and on my side that I almost never use that blew up. So that was kind of interesting. Um, the fun parts were that Katie came down and Andy and Baker came down and it's kind of a challenging course to cheer but they found two really awesome places um, to jump in and Baker I think had the fun most fun time out of anybody cheering everybody on and it definitely helps when you see your friends and family you kind of get this like pain-free moment and feel excited so there were definitely positives to take away from the race it was super fun it's so cool to have people that care enough about you to come down and spend their day with you while you do these silly things uh and one of them being andy who was his birthday <laughs> so he got to take care of the three-year-old and drive my friends around to see me on a course while he celebrated his birthday. So big thanks to Andy for being super supportive. And there were lots of laughs and lots of fun. And my husband did a great job of cheering, even though he was really grumpy at one point. And we Googled grumpy old men, like what could possibly be going on. And there actually is something called irritable male syndrome. And if there was one takeaway from the weekend, it was that men can suffer from irritable male syndrome. And I believe my husband has that. And I'm okay with that. We'll work through it together as long as he continues to parent on his birthday so that I can be selfish and run races. So, I mean, part of the reason I tell that story is, as Laura Green says, nobody cares about my running time. Just I do. And... I was feeling a bit like these people came down to support me and I failed, but they don't care. We just had a fun weekend. And that's why the sport's so addictive because you know there's days that you can feel better and things that you can improve upon. And I'm excited to keep going and to try again. Maybe one more in this year, but I have a lot of trail races coming up. I got a little excited about doing those. Uh, but maybe like a New Year's run. So Tara Holland, if you're listening, maybe we could do a January self-induced marathon. So anyways, I think that's it for the recap. I know a lot of people have really, really, really long recaps, but I just don't think there was any more details I can think of. It just wasn't my day and you just sort of have to come to terms with that and I definitely could have walked off the course a number of times and instead just decided to continue and take the fitness that I gained from it and the lessons and hopefully continue to dial in the exact training program that I need to to get the goal time because I do know that it's in there and that's totally fine. It's still a super fun kind of social event to go to races and I'm not unhappy that I did it I just am like if I felt like I did last year when I got the same time on a way harder course on this easier course that's a bummer because then my goal time would have been achieved but it's just not that easy is it there's always something 
So now we get to go in the trails. Next up, I have Fat Dog 60K, which feels awfully short. And then a stage race in Golden, which I'm super excited to do. And after this, I'm actually interviewing the race director of a race that Andy and I are doing in November for our five-year wedding anniversary in Las Vegas. So stay tuned to find out more about this epic Vegas race if you are looking for something super fun to do.